Hey y'all, welcome back to the Authentically You podcast. It is Gabby here today. I am so sorry that Madison and I have not had time to get out an episode. Um, We've both had a lot of work going on. The holidays get insanely busy for me. Um, And you know, Madison's had a lot of stuff going on in school. Um, We've both been given new opportunities within our churches and you know, more opportunities within our churches. So we've been really pouring into that. Um, so we really just haven't been able to give time to the podcast, but I am so excited to finally get this episode out today because it means a lot to me, um, and especially in the season that I'm in and what I'm doing in my church currently. Um, and you know, like this is just such an important thing that all age groups can really hear and can really take something from. So without further ado, this episode is God's Family Unit. And what I want to focus on in this episode is the importance of a godly family unit, what it looks like, how, you know, you can take steps to becoming or bringing God back into your family or maybe strengthening your family's relationship with God um, and what that looks like and how beneficial it can really be for you and your family and for those around you as well. Um... I've had a lot happen in my life, so I'm going to get my personal stuff out of the way, and then I will connect it all to the Bible. Um, So I currently, in the Catholic Church, am doing my confirmation. And what the confirmation is in the Catholic Church is when we're baptized, um, we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we are basically saying right then and there that we're going to dedicate our life to Jesus Christ and to the Catholic Church. And whenever you do your confirmation, you are reaffirming that covenant that you've made whenever you were baptized. You know, you are saying like, hey, I am now here. I am making this decision and I want to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, That is your confirmation. So I'm going through that process in my church. um, And with that, you have to pick a sponsor, which is someone in the Catholic Church who has all their sacraments. So the sacrament of baptism um, first communion, confirmation, uh, marriage sacrament, if they're old enough, um, sacrament of confession, all of that. So I had a really hard time picking a sponsor because I was given a godparent at, you know, my baptism. Um, but I recently have felt closer to my other uncle. And the reason why I feel closer to him is because I just, you know, his wife is a Christian, and um, I really appreciate how in their family, they make time for each other. So, you know, um, his wife will go to 7 a.m. mass at Catholic churches with him, um, and every once in a while, if she wants to go to her church, her Christian church called Shelter Cove, um, he goes with her. He goes with her, and I think that's something really admirable that they're both willing to do whatever as long as they're supporting each other and their beliefs. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. So I chose my uncle to be my sponsor because I appreciated his family unit um, and what his family unit is currently building to look like because praise the Lord that they are um, expecting a baby here pretty soon. Um, but I just really felt connected to him. So I chose him as my sponsor And basically what a sponsor is doing is um, when you choose a sponsor at your confirmation, you're choosing that person to be that person that you go to for um, any advice, any troubles. They're supposed to set a good example for you. Um, 
They're supposed to be able to give you godly and biblical advice, and they are meant to, you know, just really be there to support you. And I think this is why I'm so attached to the story of Jacob and his family, because, you know, my my uncle kind of confessed to me that he had, you know, like a rough past. He did a lot of, you know, bad things. Um, but, you know, he ultimately found himself within church. And I found that really memorable because I did the same. I walked away from the church. I did things that weren't so great. I said things that weren't so great. Um, I behaved in a manner that wasn't so great. But now I'm back. Now I'm back. And now I'm trying my best to dedicate myself to a Christ-like life. And so I felt really connected to that and to Jacob in the sense that you know, he doesn't have a good track record and neither does his family. Um, you know, Jacob himself was very deceitful. You know, his name, I believe in Hebrew, means trickster. His name quite literally means trickster. And he is a trickster. He tricked his father Isaac into giving him a blessing that was meant for his older brother um, I've been pronouncing it Sal. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've just pronounced it that way. But he he tricked his father into giving him a blessing. And then later on, um, you know, there's generational curses that start happening in his family. You know, so whenever his wife, I believe Rachel, gave her maid to him and said, go sleep with her so that we could have a child, you know, it it mirrors... Abraham's wife, Sarah, who did the same with her um, maid. So, and then there's also another part. Sorry, I'm actually in my Bible right now trying to find these notes. Um, Oh, in Genesis 31, 34. Now Rachel had taken Laban's household idols, put them in the saddlebag of the camel, and sat on them. Laban searched the whole tent but found nothing. She was, his wife was so deceitful and, you know, everyone else had been as well, you know, like to sit on her father's idols after Jacob had pronounced a curse saying that, you know, there would be death upon, saying that death would be upon anyone who, you know, had them and like wasn't, you know, giving them out. And then his daughter, Dina, went out to see some woman in the area whenever Jacob had, you know, gone off to a different land than the promised land that he was supposed to be in. And um, his daughter was unfortunately, um, her innocence was taken. And Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, prostituted God's covenant, the sign of God's covenant, which was circumcision at the time. Uh, They prostituted his covenant by telling the men that they could have, you know, that both families can be merged together, the sons would take the other family's daughters, and the daughter would be given to the sons of the other family. And they deceitfully told them that as long as every man got circumcised, that that could happen. So every man went, and they got circumcised, and then... On the third day, which it was apparently known to be the most painful day after circumcision, there Simeon and Levi, Jacob's, you know, um, kids, went and they killed the entire village besides the women and the slaves and the children. 
completely just plundered the city. Right? So, like, this family is so deceitful. And then we get to Genesis 35, 4, um, which is whenever Jacob finally returns to Bethel, which is where exactly where the Lord had told him that he needed to be. And in Genesis 35, 4, it says, Then they gave Jacob all their foreign gods and their ings, and Jacob hid them under the oak near Shisham. And I found that such a powerful thing because it was Jacob's initial response to God to finally be obedient and go to Bethel, go to the place where the Lord had said that he wanted him to be. And then finally his family followed in his footsteps, followed in his leadership and gave up their idols and actually started following the Lord. Um, and I feel like there's a lot that we can take from this. Um, in my confirmation class, one of the big things that um, we've been talking about is family units and that the enemy in recent years has really, really been attacking the family unit. And, you know, we see that within all of the divorces that are happening, the affairs, um, just gambling, people not being there for their wives or husbands emotionally, um, not encouraging their children to live a faithful life or um, being what what we jokingly call in our classes the cafeteria Catholic where you know you pick and choose what you want to believe from the Bible and then you say okay I believe these parts but I don't believe these parts so you know I'm still a Christian but I don't believe this part of the Bible which does not work y'all it does not work you cannot cherry pick what you want out of the Bible the Bible is God's word Whatever is in it is God's word, and it does not matter. And so we talk about, you know, these people who cherry pick, and they don't encourage their kids to live a certain way. Um, and instead, you know, they, they're they okay with abortion. They're okay with, you know, homosexuality, which I would like to note that as a Christian— we are not supporting either of those things, but that does not mean that we push those people away and that we be unkind to them. It is important to remember that Jesus sat at the table with tax tax collectors and prostitutes and all these sinful people, and you know he he still showed them love, and we should do the exact same thing. We should do the exact same thing. We do not have to support someone's sins, but we do have to love them no matter what. So someone sinning does not give you the right to be terrible to them. Moving on. Uh, as, as someone, I don't really, you know, have a family of my own yet, obviously. Um, but I have a family. And, you know, I think that it's really important that whenever we are picking who we're choosing to spend our lives with, or whenever we are, um, you know, reflecting upon our family, reflecting on the decisions that our family has made, I think it's really important that we remember that, you know, we're called to be different. We are called to be different. And, you know, that doesn't mean perfect. Different doesn't mean perfect. It just means different. We are called to be a light. We are called to encourage one another and, you know, we're called to, you know, be leaders and uphold God's word. Um, 
And so for any of you males who might be listening, your responsibility for your family is to be a leader. Your responsibility is to lead your family in the most godly life that you could possibly lead them in. Your responsibility is to um, support your wife as much as possible. You know, obviously you don't support, you know, if if, if your wife is doing something wrong, you don't support, you know, them their wrongdoings. But you should support her if, you know, she says, hey, let's go to church. You know, because this, this is actually a conversation a lot in my family, you know, um, for a while, you know, my mom would be like, let's go to church. And then my dad would be like, no. No, and it's like as as the male of the family, as the household head of the family, that is your job. Your job is to do the best you possibly can and be a leader, and to not be perfect, but lead an example life for your children, um, and to do your best for your wife. Wives, it is your job to support your husband. If your husband is trying to teach your children something, help the him, help him, support him, back him up. Be there to back him up. Husband and wives, whenever either of you are dealing with something or if you're dealing with something together, back each other up. Back each other up. You have so much power at your hands with the Bible. So much power because it teaches you so much and it teaches you really how to love each other and how to support each other. You know, So if you guys are both going through something, pray with one another. Pray with one another. Get into God's word. If there's something that you're going through and you know a specific book of the Bible that really focuses on that, go to that book of the Bible. Start reading it together. Start studying it together. Um, Go to church and ask for prayer. Um, You know, like, you should be doing things together. You should be helping each other. You should be uplifting each other. There's no reason that you can't. Children of families, your job is to try your best to be obedient to your parents. If your parents are telling you something that doesn't go along with the Bible, now that's different. You can still be obedient and be like, that's wrong. Because you can be kind whenever you say that's wrong and then bring up why it's wrong. Um, It is also your job at children to, you know, listen to your parents. Um, Or if you see that your parents are struggling to live, you know, a godly life, help them. Pray for them, Um, you know. If you have siblings, pray for your siblings, you know, um, pray that they grow into be like, just pray that they grow into a godly life. Pray that as they continue with their life, that they may find God's favor and that, you know, God may bless them. It's really important as a family to recognize that you should be praying for each other. You should be praying for each other. If something's going wrong, Somewhere in one of your lives, y'all should be praying together. You know, um, you know it. You should be leading your family if something's going wrong. You know, still get into your word, try your best, um, still pray, still worship, because there's always going to be a reason to do that. And don't get me wrong, I know that this is like this is all is easier said than done, right? Which is like. That's just how it is with a lot of things. A lot of things are always easier said than done. But you should always truly try your best. If you have the energy to do it, you should be doing it. There's no reason why you shouldn't. And you shouldn't always use energy as an excuse either because you should be praying for God to renew your energy and renew your strength. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that really happened in my life recently was my mom and my stepdad finally got their marriage sacrament in the Catholic Church, which is another reason why I really felt that this episode was important. Um, I guess this episode is kind of directed more towards an older audience, but you know, um, this can also be for people who are growing up and looking towards their future. Um, set a good example for your kids, you know, get married in front of God, you know, um, in the Catholic Church, the process is a little bit, well, it's actually a lot different, um, because, you know, you need, you need your sacraments to get married in the Catholic Church, or if you've been married in the Catholic Church before, um, you have to get an annulment, which y'all can go into some deep research on that, I don't <laughs> I, this episode will be very long if I go into all the details that an annulment, you know, um, contains. But if that's what you need to do, if you've been married in the Catholic Church before and you need to get an annulment to marry your current wife in the church, or if you're, or if you're a wife and you need to do the same, y'all should do it as an example to your children. Y'all should do it, um, you know, as a way to strengthen your relationship with God, because you know. Whenever God created Adam and Eve, he created them to be together, right? He, com- he specifically created man and woman. And, you know, um, it says in the Bible that when you are married to one another, that you become one flesh. And how do you do that? You do that by, you know, going in front of God and proclaiming that you're marrying that person and that you're going to love them and that you're going to uplift them. And that you're going to lead them um, as best as you can and help them and support them in a godly lifestyle. Once again, all easier said than done. But it's always important to do our best. Um, Another really important thing that I didn't go into a lot about the family units is um, divorce. And why the enemy is, you know, creating such division. The family unit has a lot of power in the Bible. Families have a lot of power in the Bible. If you see the lineage of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you see the lineage of these people. They all actually have really strong stories. Really, really strong stories. And they eventually do all have really strong families. Um... And the enemy knows that God specifically created, God specifically created the family unit to be strong. The enemy knows that. So what's the easiest way for, you know, family units to fall apart and get people to fall into sin and, you know, get people to fall into depression and anxiety? The easiest way to do that is to destroy the family unit. Destroy the family unit because then... Uh, you know, you'll hear a lot, um, and people nowadays talking about, you know, church hurt. They'll bring up a lot about their childhood and how their family got divorced, which I was one of those people who would claim that. I, I was. I, so I can speak to this. I can speak to this because I claimed that that was one of the reasons that I fell away from the church, which it kind of was because the strength of that family unit completely crumbled. I didn't have a good example of a family you know, so I never knew how important the family unit could be because I didn't have the one that I, A, thought I 
needed and be thought I wanted. Um, but I didn't have that example family unit. Because the enemy destroyed it. And what did that do? That eventually led me to fall out of the church. Which is exactly the enemy's goal. Is to get you to fall away. Um, and you know when you look around. That's exactly what he's doing in all of these families. In all of these families. That is exactly what he is trying to gain. He is trying to get these families to fall apart. Literally that is his goal. It's terrible, but that is his goal. Because the families hold a lot of strength. Your family can hold a lot of strength. Obviously, I don't know your story. I'm just speaking right now. But your family can hold a lot of strength. You know, your lineage right now. Okay, let's, let's use my family as an example, okay? Um, for those of y'all who don't know my testimony... When I was four, my dad cheated on my mom. My dad is agnostic. My mom was Catholic. Um, my dad cheated on my mom. Uh, whenever I, w- I was four, my sister was six. And then that eventually, down the line, led to me falling out of the church, um, me having trust issues, me having anxiety issues, and then, you know, eventually for my sister... That led to eating disorder issues, behavioral issues, uh, falling away from the church. Um, oh, I can't speak about that. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of issues. I really, I can't put that about her out there. But um, because I, I still love her. Faith, if you're listening to this, I love you. Um, but you know, we we fell into a lot because our family unit crumbled. But, you know, you think of the family unit that, you know, that my parents are currently working on creating, that my mom and my stepdad are currently working on creating. My mom and my stepdad just currently got married in the church. Okay? That was a really strong example to my family of how important it is to, um, for all four of us, you know, why our sacraments, receiving our sacraments is important, um, and why, you know, going to church and taking communion and going to confession, why all of that you know, is such a big deal to Catholics um, and how that can really strengthen us. Um, For me personally, watching my parents do that, I don't know what it's done for my sister because I haven't really, like her and I don't hang out that much. But um, for me personally, whenever that happened, it got me thinking more about my family unit, what I want my family to look like whenever I'm young, uh, older, And then, you know, it also led me to decide, hey, you know what, I'm going to do confirmation classes. I'm going to get my confirmation in the Catholic Church because I want to, whenever I'm older, get married in the Catholic Church and raise a strong Catholic family. So that also got me really into learning more just knowledge and pure, like, information about the Bible and about the church. Um, So that was a really strong leadership that it did. And by me doing that, my little sister wrote her Santa list already. Um, We are a Christmas-loving family, except for my mom. It's really just me and my siblings that love Christmas. But um, my little sister's, her first thing that she asked Santa for was a Bible. 
because she likes to come into my room and she likes me to ask do Bible study with her. So then I'll stop whatever book of the Bible I'm reading. I explain it in a childlike manner to her. And, you know, now on our Santa list, she's saying that she wants a Bible to do Bible study with her sister. So, you know, you're seeing this connection that I'm making, right? You know, my parents did something great, which led to me doing something great, which is going to lead my siblings to do something great as well. You know, so we're all setting examples for each other in our family and we're creating this family unit. The other day, something, you know, um, I felt like my coworkers at work were being very mean to me. And, you know, it was just it was just a really tough day, if I'm being honest. It had been a tough week. I hadn't had a day off in a while, which was my fault. But, you know, um, it was just really, really tough. And so I started crying at work. I kid you not, started crying. Um, and when I got home and I told my mom about it, my mom's response was to go pray, which was not advice that I would normally expect to receive from my mother. So, you know, as a family, we're starting to grow into this thing, you know, where we're, we're starting to encourage each other, encourage, encourage each other in the most biblical ways that we possibly know how to do. And it's so amazing to see, you know, by me going to my confirmation classes, it's caused my siblings to ask a lot of questions about the confirmation. Um, by me going to confirmation classes, I've been going to Catholic Mass a lot more. Um, and my mom as well, my mom as well, um, you know, goes to church more often. She goes to church pretty much every single Sunday now, which is great because that's not something that her family used to do. So, you know, you see all these connections that I'm making right now. So much is happening in my family because one of us made the decision to be a leader and to set an example and it wiped in across my entire family. (sighs) I've made this episode run a bit long, so I'm just going to leave y'all with that. Um, But yeah, I would really recommend rereading through Genesis using the Enduring Word um, commentary. This is not sponsored, but I do use it a lot, so they should sponsor me. (laughs) Um, But use the Enduring Word commentary to kind of just learn the knowledge behind each thing that's really important. And the best way to use the Enduring Word commentary, the way I do it, is... um, I read a portion of, you know, whatever book of the Bible that I'm in. Um, so if I'm telling guys you guys should reread Genesis. So, um, you know, take a portion of Genesis, read it, have your own thoughts about it, and then go into Enduring Word, kind of read it, and kind of act as if, you know, you're talking it out, you know, what you got and what they got um, from that passage, and then just kind of, you know, take both of that, Use that as your knowledge of what you're doing and what you need to do um, and what you're learning. So I would really recommend using the Enduring Word commentary. It's online. It's free. um, And it's just a really, really great way to, you know, just go deeper. Um, But yeah, I hope this really got y'all thinking about your family units. Um, I hope that, you know, it's really kind of inspired you to bring God into your family and, you know, really just strengthen him and uphold him and, you know, praise him as a family. Um, like normal, thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you for always supporting us. Thank you for dealing with our crazy schedules and these crazy gaps between episodes. 
Um, we really appreciate y'all and we really appreciate the fact that God has given us this platform uh, to speak so boldly and speak so clearly in his word. Um, but without further ado, thank y'all so much and I will see you next week.